As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach. Laura is still in Europe, and we're still on a little bit of a summer hiatus. So today we're going to play an interview that I did earlier this year. Um, it was a radio show called Let's Talk Relationships, um, where I was interviewed by Dr. Kelly Campbell and Garo Green, and they were interested in knowing a little bit about how relationships work. It was a fun opportunity for me. Uh, I've never been on live radio before. Uh, maybe I have once. Doesn't quite matter. But um, I think it's a it's an interesting conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Stick around. Welcome back to Let's Talk Relationships. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Campbell. I'm joined by my co-host, Garo Green. Aloha. And we're getting ready to welcome our special guest. Today's topic is, are you ready for a relationship? And we're excited to have Zach Brittle joining us today. He's a certified Gottman therapist and author of The Relationship Alphabet, A Practical Guide to Better Connection for Couples. Zach, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Sure. Yeah, thanks so, for having me. You have a very um, interesting title. And so let's just start with what it means because um, Gottman's very famous. And um, so sure. I assume you were tra- trained under his direction. But can you just tell us a little bit about what it means to be a certified Gottman therapist? Yeah, uh, sure thing. So John uh, is primarily a researcher. He, he will claim to be a mathematician more than a therapist, but in his research, he, cre- he he basically discerned that there were certain principles and practices that were consistent among couples that were staying together, and then principles and practices that were consistent among couples that were divorcing. And when he met and married his wife, Julie, um, she was really the therapist in the group, and she he, he likes to tell this joke where he says... Uh, you know, I just wanted to know stuff. And she's like, well, I want to help people. So we compromised and decided to help people. So um, mm-hmm. he, uh, they created this methodology to train therapists to help couples lean into the principles and practices that help couples stay together um, or train therapists to help them stay together. And um, and then they created a training mechanism, which has a couple different layers. Uh, you can be a level one, level two, level three trained therapist. And those of us who are third certified have gone through kind of a sort of a proven ability. We've proven that we mastered the, the, both the research and the ability to use it with couples in practice. So we do that on videotape. We have um, accountability from trainers that are uh, mentors who are designed to help us get better. And um, so I think there's maybe 300 or so now in the world or people who have been certified. I'm number 199, I think. So um, 
Yeah, to be certified means that you've kind of gone through the entire training process and proven that you can master both the research and the methodology. Cool. And people can find these Gottman therapists, uh, I guess most of them would maybe be in that area, but all over the U.S., I assume, right? They're actually all over the world. Um, you can find them. Uh, there's a the, the, the Institute, the Gottman Institute, has a uh, referral network. So if you go onto the website, the Gottman website, there's a referral network. You can type in your zip code or your country and find out who's closest to you. Um, not only certified folks, but folks who are level two or three or above. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so how about our show topic today? Let's get your opinion on this. Um, do you think that there's such a thing as an ideal partner? And what do you think about the concept of soulmate? Is it outdated? Is it relevant? Oh, gosh. I, I, I personally don't believe in a soulmate. I think, you know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. And the, <laughs> the idea that you somehow meet the one while you're squeezing avocados in a grocery store is, is not reasonable to me. I don't, I don't think that can, that can happen. Um, I think that you can be a great partner. I think you can be an ideal partner, but I don't think it's fate or math or the, you know, uh, karma that does that. I think it's really just about being in the right place at the right time to make the right kinds of choices in order to be, uh, the right partner for the person that you choose. And again, I, I've used that word a couple of times. I think it's really about choice, not luck. That's great. Yeah, I didn't think it was about squeezing the avocados. I think you'd find that person squeezing the bananas, but that's yeah. my own personal experience. Yeah. So if I, I tell you one thing, if I come home with the wrong kind of avocados, I'm going to hear about it for sure. These are too. These aren't ripe or whatever you know. So I've been trained. So Zach, I read your book this weekend. Um, congratulations on a, a great book. It was very approachable, quick to get through, but it had a lot of value. So um, kudos to you and to our Thanks. listeners. I want to recommend it. Um, that way, uh, it's a good book. You should really check it out. Um, we get a lot of questions from our listeners on this show. And one that I've seen repeatedly is this idea that a successful relationship has to culminate in marriage. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I tend to think outside the box or tend to kind of think about the ridiculous. And, and the, the nature of your question is – flawed in the sense that you said a successful relationship has to culminate in marriage, which, which of course it doesn't. I have relationships with my kids, my neighbors, and my, my coworkers, none of which are going to end in marriage. So when you're talking about um, uh, a, a sort of a romantic relationship. Yeah, that, that's what I really meant. Yeah. yeah, of course. But, but, but again, you talk about a romantic relationship, you can have a successful romantic relationship that doesn't end in marriage if it ends in intimacy and connection and helping you become the best person that you can be. I mean, the other part about it that's flawed is that marriage is itself uh, kind of a, a moving target, right? As recently as 250 years ago in the United States, marriage was about staying alive and putting food on the table and staying warm through the winter. You know, it wasn't until, until kind of the sexual revolution that marriage became about, you know, sort of mutual empowerment and love. So that is a it's kind of a strange question, but I think you can absolutely be in a mutually edifying intimate, uh, enjoyable relationship without having to end up being married. I mean, that's a, that seems like an easy one. I know a ton of people who are, who have better relationships than most married people I know that, uh, that have just chosen not to take that step. Yeah, no, actually I do too. I just, we get this question a lot from our listeners. And so I thought it'd be interesting to hear your perspective, especially given some yeah. of your clinical experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird one because of course people, 
get married, most people get married in a time when they don't have any idea what marriage is. Like I, I, you know, I hear a lot about people who say, I do, I do. I'm going to love and cherish and sickness and health and richer and poorer and death till we part, you know, and we, we, I was 24, I think when I got married and I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. So, um, the other part about marriage is that it's interesting to think about the, the wedding, um, which is the time that you get married, but I've been married for almost now 22 years. And I think I've been married three different times to the same woman because of different hurdles that we've jumped over, different ways that we've redefined our relationship as we've gone through the process. So um, I know that's semantic, but I think that it, it opens the door to thinking differently about what your relationship is meant to accomplish anyway. Well, I, it's a good point. I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in general still think that marriage is that, that end all goal for a successful relationship. And that oh, by getting man, married, wish, right? Like, right. Well, then by getting married, you're like, you can show other people, Hey, we've arrived, you know, we're a couple and we're going to do this and make it work. And I, I personally don't think that's true, but um, I'm yeah, also no. gone through a divorce too. So I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, about your book specifically, um, again, I thought it was a great read. Um, as I was going through kind of the alphabet, I was trying to guess what, you know, principles, um, you would use for each of the different letters. And when I got to see, I was a bit surprised because I thought I would see the word compromise, um, but I didn't. And yeah. just wondering, you know, th through all of your clinical experience and seeing couples and managing relationships, um, how come you chose what you did for C and I'll let you talk about that versus compromise. Yeah, I mean, I, I, in fact, that's, I mean, glad that you noted that. And in fact, I did it on purpose because A is argument and B is betrayal and C is contempt and criticism. And I intentionally started in that way because I didn't want to write kind of the standard arguments about, uh, or standard chapters about agreement and, and, and buddy systems and compromise and cuddling. I, I, I wanted to sort of shine a light on the fact that this is hard work. Um, and that a lot of things that people aspire to, they're great. We want to write about, we want to read about those, but the reality is most relationships are more familiar with arguing and betrayal and contempt and criticism than they are with some of the more aspirational sides of the, of the relationship. And I wanted to both, uh, sort of demystify and soften that because that's just normal. That's just, just part of the day to day gig. Um, the reason in particular that I got to contention criticism is that it's a, that's the beginning of John Gottman's real strong, uh, piece of research around what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And those are four behaviors that, um, exist in a relationship that if they go unchecked tend to predict divorce. So if they're present and they usually are, but they're rampant, which they're not always, then, uh, then it's really important to curb that those behaviors quickly. And so that's contempt and criticism. I think D is defensiveness. Is that right? Which is a, yes. a third of the four. Yes. Um, and then the fourth one is what's called stonewalling. And stonewalling is basically when you kind of leave the room without leaving the room. You're present, but you're, you're present in your body, but you're not really present in your mind. And so you kind of check out. Um, so I really wanted to shine a light on that stuff so that people had permission and then uh, language to talk about things that were a little bit tougher in a relationship. That's an interesting, interesting perspective. And then one of the things I wanted to mention to our listeners is, um, you know, this book, you, you kind of look at the title and you think, oh, this is for people that are, you know, in a relationship. This is a book you should read, I think, before you get into a serious relationship. <laughs> a lot of this information, I know for me personally, would have been really helpful in giving me a different perspective on the issues I would face. And so um, I don't know if that's what you advocate, Zach, but I certainly would say this is good reading before you, you know, try to have any type of serious romantic relationship. 
Well, I think any anything that it broadens your vocabulary is helpful. I, I talk about uh, with couples, a lot of couples come into my office and they're in trouble because they're telling themselves the same story about their relationship. And let's say they're using about 10,000 words to tell that story. Um, in order to tell a different story, maybe a truer story, a richer story, a fuller story, they may need another 10,000 words. They may need more like 20,000 words so that they can nuance and layer and understand. I mean, the best writers I know have way broader vocabulary than I do, and I enjoy reading them for that reason. Um, and I think couples who get stuck in the, sort of the same loops mm. need more language. And so if it's about opening up language around arguments or contempt or defensiveness, then I think that can help them uh, sort of pursue different avenues of healing and repair. So one of the topics actually for our next show is going to be about sex, and that's actually the um, the word that you used for S in your in your book. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of a good sex life, healthy sex life? What does that even mean? And and again, this doesn't have to be necessarily just in couple relationships. So just hearing your perspective on the importance of, of sex in general. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The thing that is interesting to me about sex is that um, it changes um, – the, the stories I hear a lot are that it changes almost unbidden, right? Like there used to be this time in our relationship where we had a ton of sex and it was amazing and it was so fun. And then all of a sudden it became hard. Um, and I think that that's uh, a really difficult thing for folks to navigate, and I don't think it needs to be. Um, I don't think it needs to be that difficult. I really am a big advocate for play um, in the bedroom in particular because – um, it's, it's just, uh, when it becomes a work, when sex becomes a work, then that is, uh, really challenging for folks. And I think that that means you got to figure out how to ask for sex and how to reject sex and how to accept sex and, and then how to tell each other what you like and what you don't like. And that none of that has to be loaded with emotional, uh, weight or darkness that, that kind of creeps in. Um, I think it's, John likes to say that the best sex is the, uh, the best relationships are, uh, sexual relationships are ones where there's no consequence for rejection. Um, and so to me, that sort of, sort of sounds like if I said to my wife, Hey, I'd like to have sex. And she says, no, I'm not really in the mood. I don't go into this hole or she doesn't, I don't make her pay for not wanting to. But then, uh, she may say something like, but I, I would like to connect with you. How about we watch a show or let's go for a walk or um, I'm hungry. Why don't we cook dinner together? It's a, it's There's an alternate right option versus the just strictly yes or no because sex is only one piece of intimacy um, and intimacy has many facets. And I think that um, if people can sort of take the pressure off of sex as the 
the avenue for intimacy, then you can create a lot more opportunities for connection. See, I think that's what it boils down to right there is intimacy and that sex is, like you Zach said, a form of intimacy. It doesn't always have to involve or culminate in intercourse. It could be cuddling, kissing, holding hands. Um, yeah. You just be in close proximity to each other. And I really like your idea that, you know, hey, if I'm not in the mood because I do have a headache, what about this? What about we hold hands and yeah. just cuddle on the couch? I mean, I think that um, being okay with someone saying no doesn't mean they're rejecting you. And and to the other partner, there may be other ways to reaffirm your affection and intimacy um, other than just intercourse. Yeah. And I always ask couples, like, they say, I want to have more sex. And I'm like, great. What counts? <laughs> like, what is it? What are you talking about? Mutual orgasm uh, through insertion, or are you talking about cuddling? Or are you talking about I just want to make out for a minute? Like, what is the what is it that you're chasing? Because her idea of sex may be different than his idea of sex, and I think when when they're different uh, and you're doing it, you may not think you're doing it right. <laughs> a I mean, really good just, point. So I think you got to have more again more language around what what you're what is it that you're trying to accomplish. And I think it also this idea of you know, fostering communication around sex and just having these kind of open dialogues about things. Um, it's really important yeah. in a relationship. You know, you always hear people say, "Oh, a good relationship must have good communication." Yes. Well, here's an example. Right? Sex is a yeah. perfect one where you know what sex means to one person may not mean the same thing to the other, and just clarifying that, communicating that, um, obviously can be really important. So well, and I generally recommend that people do that in the coffee shop or in the car or when they're walking around the block, not in the bed when they're <laughs> when they're trying to like create this you know contract, sexual contract. That that's the most dangerous place to do it because um, it's it's already so loaded. You know, have the conversation in a space where you're definitely not going to have sex, so that you can use that information later on. Yeah, I'd have to rule out the car then, but the other places <laughs> yeah. are good. Yeah. <laughs> What if there was an easy way to achieve connection without having to do a ton of work? And what if you could make just a few small changes that helped you feel more alive, awake, and aware? Well, we're convinced that there is and that you can because we have worked with hundreds of couples. We've poured over reams of research. We've even experienced change in our own marriages. And time and time again, if we have learned anything, it's this. You do not have to stay stuck. That is why we created Marriage in Motion. It's a video series for couples, 16 videos with corresponding activity sheets because we want for you to take the information and the research that we have poured over and put it into action in your own relationship. Marriage for Motion is available now. Go to forbetter.us and for less than $300, you get the entire video series for a lifetime. We also have a guarantee that if you don't experience small changes in your relationship that have a big impact, we'll give you your money back. Check it out at forbetter.us. We'd love for you to try the Marriage in Motion video series for couples. Can you also tell us a little bit about, we, we talked earlier about ideal partner um, rather than soulmate or just finding a great partner, but what are the most important things that people should be looking for in a partner? Well, I think the, um, for me, there, the, the Gottman methodology is really, it kind of comes down to one 
core principle, which is that be kind, you know, be the kind of partner that you want. You know, I would have Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world or something. Mm-hmm. And I think in general, you got to, you got to spend enough time with somebody to understand whether or not they're going to be able to, uh, you know, sort of create kindness in the midst of your difference. Another kind of major finding in the research is that two thirds of all conflict in a relationship is what's called perpetual. It's there no matter what it's hard baked into the relationship based on your personality, which means that, if you divorce and remarry or you go to a different partner, the ratio is going to stay the same. The problems may be different. The the, the landscape of, of issues may be different, but the ratio is going to stay the same. So you essentially you have to figure out uh, whether or not the, the things that are baked into the relationship are deal breakers and whether or not you can create some kind of um, conversation and compromise around the fact that you're different because there's nothing wrong with difference. Difference is fine. It's when different, it's when you become more sort of committed to your position than your partner, that difference becomes really a problematic issue. And so part of it is just, I think be being willing to hold who you are and who your partner is with a little bit of an open hand and realize that you're going to, you're going to have to be making uh, choices about your relationship for forever. It's I, I, I recently accidentally stumbled on this idea that, my, in my job, it's not necessarily my job to keep couples together, but essentially when you're married, you're headed for either death or divorce. And it's one of the rare situations where you're rooting for death. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. One of the other – a lot of things I found fascinating about your book, but the, the two that stick out is this idea of arguments and kind of the perpetual arguments that you mentioned, the sort of two-thirds. But was, even more than that was this idea of repair. Um, can you speak just a little bit? about that and the importance in fostering a healthy relationship because it's something that I tried to do but I didn't have a label for it and it was hard to explain to other people but I really saw it as a tenet of having a good relationship with somebody. Yeah, it's my favorite topic, repair, to talk about because it's um, I, I'm I, one of my kind of go-to phrases is that repair is way more important than resolve. People come in and they go, "Oh, we're never going to resolve this, or I want to resolve this issue," and I'm like, "You can't resolve. It's maybe it's hard baked in, and also re- re- resolve it cannot happen until you're in a state of repair. If you're escalated and elevated and angry, you're not going to be able to have any kind of meaningful conversation about the issue itself. I mean, how many times have you been in an argument where you ended up saying, and I don't even know what it was about." But what were we arguing about? Mm. Because it shifted gears to just kind of a meanness, right? And so I think repair is the priority, which basically means you got to stay connected and stay uh, sort of at a high altitude around issues that are are troubling you. Um, I think a lot about um, I use the metaphor a lot about skiing. If you're if you're a skier, a snow skier, or even a water skier, you have to make constant small corrections to keep your skis parallel, keep them paired. And that's what repair is on a, a sort of a day-to-day basis. It is the small, constant corrections that keep you from the moguls or the trees. Sometimes you're going to hit a mogul or a tree, and you're going to have to make a big repair. But I think it's the small ones, um, just sort of the daily kindnesses or the daily apologies or the daily connections that keep couples uh, you know, aligned to one another. Um, and you, you and, point and out in your book, for, and you point out yeah. in your book that humor is a way of repair, right? In a relationship, absolutely. you can de-escalate um, arguments. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I think humor obviously is a, is a double-edged sword. It can be used to be cruel and sarcastic, and but I think in general, if you can bake humor into your relationship, it's a great exit. I mean, we we in our house we blame everything on the dwarf that lives in the bathroom. Um, so if something something goes wrong or if somebody has been missing for ten minutes or something, where'd you go? Oh, I was 
making out with the dwarf in the bathroom or the dwarf did it or whatever. And, and it kind of lets us sort of ease off the the edge if there's maybe some edge in the question or some edge in the issue. Who put all these dishes here? The dwarf did it, you know, and then that's kind of code for I'll clean them up right now, you know. It's <laughs> great advice. Thank you for sharing all your tips. We're getting ready to wrap up. But if our listeners would like to learn more about your work, where can they find you on the Web? Where can they find your work? Yeah, I'm just at my uh, my website is my name zachbrittle.com, and it has uh, access to some stuff I've written, my private practice, and uh, uh, there's a podcast that I do with a uh, co a colleague, teaching partner that they can listen to. That's called Marriage Therapy Radio, and that's at marriagetherapyradio.com. And then I think the, uh, the book's available on Amazon. It's easy enough to find. So, thank you, Zach. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great yeah, thank weekend. thank you for having me. We've been talking okay, yeah, with, you too. Thank you. We've been talking with Zach Brittle, a certified Gottman therapist, author of The Relationship Alphabet. As you mentioned, you can find his book on Amazon. So, yeah, that was me on the radio with Dr. Kelly and Garo. And um, it was a fun time. Laura's back real soon. Uh, next week, we have an interview with uh, a woman who wrote a book that I've fallen in love with. Can't wait for you to hear that. And uh, we will... Uh, Laura and I will be back on schedule here in early September. So thanks for listening again. We appreciate you. Also, um, make sure we have your email because, uh, again, we're going to be uh, unrolling a new product in um, early in the fall. And um, we want to make sure that you hear about it, which will be primarily through email and also the podcast. So you can do that by visiting marriagetherapyradio.com or uh, shoot us an email at info at forbetter.us. So that's F-O-R-B-E-T-T-E-R. US, and uh, we'll go, we'll make sure that you get to hear about it. Thanks.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.